What constitutes a healthy church? Oh, some people might say if a church is growing, then that's a healthy church. Or a church that's on budget, that's a, that's a healthy church. If you read Rick Warren, uh, he, might, he will say that a healthy church is one in which fellowship, discipleship, worship, ministry, and evangelism are nicely balanced. David Platt at IMB says 12 biblical characteristics of healthy churches are biblical evangelism, discipleship, membership, leadership, teaching and preaching, biblical ordinances, worship, prayer, fellowship, accountability and discipline, giving and biblical mission. If you're a Mark Deaver fan, uh, let me tell you, I have a high regard for Mark Deaver, you will say there are nine marks of a healthy church and they are expositional preaching, biblical theology, a biblical understanding of the gospel, conversion and evangelism, biblical church membership, whatever that means, biblical church discipline, biblical discipleship, biblical church leadership. Now there are lots of good things that we can learn from these people about church. But I wonder what the Apostle John would say makes a healthy church. If you ask the Apostle John, what's the mark of a healthy church? What do you think he'd say? I think he would say that a healthy church is a church where people love one another with the love that comes from God and is revealed in the gospel. That people love one another with the love that comes from God and is revealed in the gospel. For the big message I believe the Holy Spirit is giving us through this passage is this. Love one another. Love one another. Love one another. My mom used to tell me about an old lady who was in her church in Penang uh, in the 60s. Every week she'll go up to my parents, and I'm sure she did this to lots of people in the church, and she'll just go up to them and say, love one another. Right? And next time she saw them, she would just come up and say, remember, love one another. Right? My parents' nickname for her was, love one another. Right? Uh, she's a bit like the Apostle John, isn't she? Because John has already told us, back in chapter 2, verse 9, that if we love God and hate our brother, if we say we love God and we hate our brother, then we are in the darkness. But if we love our brother, then we are in the light. He's already told us in chapter 3, verse 11, to love one another. He's told us in chapter 3, verse 16, that the, that the death of Jesus is the example for us, and he gives us practical examples of how to love one another in response. And now he's going to give us another 15 verses that essentially say, love one another. I think the Apostle John thinks this is important. And that he also thinks his readers need to hear it more than once for it to sink in. I think the Spirit thinks this is important. And that we need to hear it more than once for it to sink in. Jesus certainly thinks this is important. This is the command he gave to his disciples the night before he died. This is my commandment, he said, that you love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. And when we come to the passage today, we will see that command three times. In verse 7, in verse 11, and in a slightly different way in verse 21. Love one another. Now, what is the Spirit telling us here about loving one another? Well, the first thing He tells us is that 
We love one another because of the origin of that love. Look at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Love is from God. What does it mean that love is from God? God, God is the origin of love. He is the one from whom love comes from in the first place. You see, God is love. Forever and ever He has loved. In the Trinity, we have eternal relationships of love. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. That, that's who God is. God is love. Now, that's not saying that love is God. Right? You don't go the wrong way around. And you look at human love or people loving in some kind of way. You see something and say, ah, that's love. And so you, you, you kind of like blow it up big and say, ah, that, God is like that. No, no, wrong way. You start with God and His eternal nature that He has revealed Himself to us in Christ and we say, that is love. God is love eternally. And if God is love, then when we love, we are expressing something that is from the very heart of God's character. We are being godlike in the very best possible way. We are expressing who God is. Now, before we were born again, we couldn't possibly love in the way that John is talking about here. We might have been really nice people, but we weren't loving in the way he's talking about. Because a love that he's talking about here is a love that is based on a response to God's love that reflects that love and shows it to others. It is like the moon reflects the light of the sun and then gives it to people at night love. Love from God is like a, that. Love is from God when we love. Our love is from God like, that, like the moon's light is, is from the sun. Right? If we don't know God's love for ourselves, then by definition we, we cannot reflect it. We cannot show it. We can love in a worldly kind of way, but that's light from ourselves. It's light that we shine our own light. Right? But Christian love, the love that we're talking about here, is love that comes from God. And that is why, by definition, verse 7 continues, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. See, we are God's children. We are born of God. We know God. and Therefore, we love from Him. We show his family character of love. And therefore it is also true to say in verse 8 that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Right? If the moon does not give light, it means it is not reflecting the sun. If someone does not love, he cannot be overflowing with the love of God. He's not loving. If someone does not love, he's not showing the character of God's family. And that's because he doesn't really know God. Because if he knew God, he would know his love. But how? How do we know God's love? God is love up there, the persons of the Trinity loving each other eternally. How do, how do we see it? How, how, how do we experience it? How is God's love shown to us? Verse 9. In this the love of God was made manifest among us, 
that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. How is God's love shown to us? God's love is shown to us in Jesus. God showed his love for us by giving his son into the world that we might live through him. And in particular, it is shown in his death for us on the cross. Verse 10, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Uh, propitiation is a sacrifice that takes away wrath. Right? Uh, and that's, that's what the death of Jesus is, isn't it? All of us have rebelled against God. All of us failed to treat him properly. Right? That is sin. And God is justly angry with sin. There is a right, just wrath. We deserve to be under God's condemnation forever. And yet God sent his son into the world that we might live through him, that we might not be condemned forever. That we might live. And in love, he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. For as Jesus died on the cross, he himself bore our sin, our guilt, our condemnation on our behalf. He bore the wrath that we deserve so that we can be totally forgiven without God saying that what we've done is okay. So that we do not have to be punished in hell, but instead might have eternal life forever. God loved us when we were in full flight of rebellion against Him. And He sent His Son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. That is the manifestation of God's love. That is how we know and experience God's love for us. You want to know if God loves you? You look at Jesus. And you see Him dying for you there on the cross. And you say, does God love me? That is how God's eternal love, the love that he has, the Father has shared with the Son for all eternity, overflows to us. God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so John says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. Well, so far we have seen that love comes from the eternal being of God, that it is expressed to us in the death of Jesus. Uh, we have seen that if we are born of God and we've received His love, then, then we should love like He does. And indeed, if we are genuine in our faith, we will love like He does. We will love one another. Now, if we know God's love, and we love one another, we're not only responding to God, but we're also reflecting His character, aren't we? Right? Because the persons of the Trinity love one another eternally. And the Christian community, the church, expresses that Trinitarian community. Verse 12 picks that up. Right? It's speaking of the Christian community. It says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us or among us, and His love is perfected in us or among us. In other words, God is invisible. But if we love one another as a community of God's people, what is visible is that God lives among us. God abides in us. God is truly with us. 
And people are able to see God's love as they see this community of God's people reflecting it to others. They should be able to see His love perfected among us. Now, when John says that God's love is perfected, it doesn't mean that we kind of like love fully and flawlessly. What does it mean? Well, if you go back to chapter 2, verse 5, you see that the love of God is perfected when what? Chapter 2, verse 5, when someone, the love of God is perfected in someone when he keeps God's word, isn't it? Whoever keeps his word, in him, truly the love of God is perfected. Let me explain. We need the word of God to tell us how to express the love of God. If all we had was the command to love, we would never know how to do it. But yes, the two commands, love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself, that summarize everything. But God doesn't just give us that, right? Because if He told us that, then how do you do that? What does it look like? Don't know. Love needs a shape. And God's commands show us the shape that love is to have. Shows us how to love. We saw an example of that in our Old Testament reading today. And we see it in every book of the New. God showing us how to love. So when people reject the Word of God and blatantly disobey Him and then point to that and say, love wins, that's not right. Sexual immorality might have won in that round, but, but not love. That's, that's not love. Love wins is when a newlywed couple become the champions of Smackminton. <laughs> it's not that either. God's Word shows us what love is. As we obey God's Word in response to His love, as we love one another with the Word of God telling us what that looks like, His love is perfected. And God's people and people can see what God's look what God's love looks like as they see the loving, obedient community of God's people. So if we love one another, even though people can't see God, they will see us reflecting His love in His way. And what they will see, verse 12, is God abiding in us. Now, how do we know that's God abiding in us and not something else? How do we know that is what they're seeing, not, 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 not some other phenomenon? Well, verse 13 tells us that by this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. He has given us... The Holy Spirit is God abiding in us. In us? In us. If we have received the Spirit, then we can be sure that God abides in us and we in Him. And how do we know we've received the Spirit? Well, the Spirit is the one who connects us to God through Christ. For John and the other apostles, the Spirit enabled them, verse 14, to see and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. For the rest of us, 
The Spirit enables us to, to believe that apostolic message, verse 15, and confess that Jesus is the Son of God. The Spirit connects us to Christ by faith. Whether someone is an apostle, like John and the others, or a receiver of the apostolic testimony, like us, it is the Spirit who connects us to the Son. And so if we come to know and believe in Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, we know and believe, verse 16, the love that God has for us because we are connected to Christ by the Spirit. And connected to Christ by the Spirit, we experience the Father's love. And if we abide in love, verse 16, if we keep trusting God's love for us in Christ, if we keep living that cross-shaped, God-centered love, then we abide in God, and God by His Spirit abides in us. And so yes, when people see us loving one another, what they're actually seeing is God by His Spirit transforming us into a community of love. And there's something really lovely when that happens that way. When God's love is perfected in us, verse 17, by the Spirit, as He connects us with Christ and enables us to, to love like God, we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because we know that God really loves us. And we know that we are really His because we are reflecting His love because as He is, so also are we in this world. So we don't have to worry about the day of judgment. We have assurance that we will be safe through the death of Jesus. So we don't fear. Friends, love goes with obedience to God's Word. There is obedience in love. Love goes with the assurance of God's salvation. There is assurance in love. But love doesn't go with the fear of God's punishment. There is no fear in love. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If you really love God, you don't need to be afraid. And you don't need the threat of punishment to, to do what he says. You do it from the heart because you love him. And so we don't love so that we can avoid the punishment. We, we, we serve him, we do the right thing, not because we fear his punishment. If we do that, then we're not perfected in love. We're not obeying out of love, but, but out of fear. But if we truly love God, if we've truly known his love for us in Christ, and we truly love, then our love for him is perfected. That is, it expressed in obedience to his word. That we don't have anything to fear. We don't have to think about punishment. Because remember, Jesus took the punishment for us. He's the propitiation which God and his love provided for us. And instead of worrying about the punishment, we can revel in the love of God and concentrate on expressing that love. We love, verse 19, because He first loved us. Well, friends, we've seen the big command today, love one another. And our love for each other is evidence of our love for God. But if we deny love to each other, then we cannot claim to love God. Verse 20 says, 
If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Doesn't work. Because remember, no one's seen God, but we reflect and express His eternal nature by loving one another. And even though we can't see God, we express our love for Him by loving our brothers and sisters whom we can see to express that love. And so John continues in verse 20, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Again, if we love God, we will obey him. We will express that love in the way he teaches. And how does he teach us to do it? Verse 21, this is the command we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. At the end of the day, it comes back down to the same thing. Love one another. Love one another. Well, how are we going in loving one another as a church? Oh, I'm sure thing we can think of ways in which we are doing well in loving one another. I'm sure we can think of ways in which we can do better. How can we better do it? Well, to start with, we need to make sure we get to know each other a little bit, don't we? Right? It's not an end in itself, by the way, getting to know each other. Uh, it's possible to know each other but not love each other. But getting to know each other is really important if we're going to love each other, isn't it? It's a start. Now, in a congregation this size, not everyone's going to get to know everyone. But all of us can get to know a number of people and work on loving them. We can love the congregation corporately and then love the individuals with a certain number number will be different for different ones of us. But together, we love one another such that all of us are loved and all of us love. We've got to be careful when we do that, that we don't become clicky. I don't want one group of people who love one another over here, one group of people who love one another here, one group of people who love one another, but we love one another, okay? Ayah, wrong really la. Okay? Cannot. So you've got to make, let's not stop loving. Let's make sure we get to know people across different groups. Work on that. Make sure nobody misses out. We can use opportunities provided in things like growth groups, so men's fellowship and women's Bible studies to, to develop those relationships of love. And you see, all those groups are not just for Bible study. Very important part of it. But they are also places where we can learn to put into practice what it means to be a community of love. That's also a very important part of it. Remember, we grow as God's people by speaking the truth. Right? That's where the Bible study comes in. In love. That's the relational side. Both those things happening together. So let's make sure we keep loving and caring for one another. Like I said, there's lots of ways which we're doing well. Look around our congregation, I see People caring for each other in times of sickness and in times of grief. Uh, Winston has testified to that today. I don't think we've always been good at that, but I think we are now. Uh, and I thank God for that, that He has enabled us to grow in that area. Keep doing that. As I look at our congregation, I see people loving one another by praying for each other. Keep doing that. 
you can send WhatsApp requests. When you get that WhatsApp request, what do you do? Quickly pray straight away before you forget, yeah? In normal conversations, pray, even over community dinner or tea and coffee refreshments afterwards. Here of a need, can I pray for you now? Pray for each other. As I look at our congregations, I see people loving each other by helping each other in very practical ways with material things. Keep doing that in a wise and careful way. I see people loving each other by giving lifts to each other to come to church, by greeting each other when they come in the door, by folding leaflets and preparing Bibles, organizing camps and events and evangelistic meetings and, and what have you. By, by, by leading prayers and reading the Bible and, and looking after the kids outside and coming in the morning to teach the kids. Being emotional supports for each other in times of, of depression. By listening in times of struggle. By sharing the things that are on your heart and it makes it easy for other people to share with you. By preparing well growth group studies by checking up on each other when missing from church, by bringing food to church or, or to people's house when, when they need it, by visiting our brothers and sisters in Christ at Cheshire Home, sharing fellowship with them, by setting up chairs and putting them away, by thoughtful WhatsApp or Facebook messages, by serving our disabled brothers and sisters by looking after each other's kids or just having words of encouragement with them by forgiving each other even when it hurts by doing music ministry in a servant-hearted way rather than in a performance kind of way by visiting each other when sick or housebound by gentle rebuke or correction when needed, by giving money for ministry, by overlooking things that you could take offense at, but you choose to overlook, by parking down in the Dataran, by using your gifts or not using your gifts as would be most beneficial for the body. By adapting to change without complaint. By simply seeking to have conversations that will encourage a fellow servant in Christ to press on. By making special efforts to welcome the newcomer, inviting them out. And a host of other ways that, that I haven't listed. Could be here all night. Some of which are very sacrificial. Love one another by coming to church on Sunday, not saying, what can I get out of it? But saying, how can I love God's people as God has loved me? Walk in the door saying, how can I love God's people? What can I do to love my brothers and sisters? Can you do that? And within the household of God, there are other households as well, husbands. When was the last time you spent 15 minutes pondering the question, how can I better love my wife? What's one thing I can do to, to cherish and nourish her and help her thrive and grow in Christ? 
parents, when's the last time you consciously asked yourself, what's, what's one more thing I can do to, to love this child? Love one another in the household. Still part of loving one another in the family of God. Friends, we've seen so far that love for one another in the church is a reflection of the love of those, the, the persons of the Trinity. That love comes from God and overflows to us. And, and as we as God's people love one another, you know what? That love will overflow to, to outsiders as well. And we will love people outside the church. Next magazine issue is going to be on that. We love, first of all, by seeking to reach them with God's love. And then we will show that love in a multitude of other ways. But that's a topic of a different passage, different sermon. So we'll leave that bit here. Let me conclude. The authentic Christian community is a community of love. A kind of love that clearly and explicitly springs from God's love which He has shown us in the Gospel. A love that is motivated by the love of God which the Spirit has enabled us to receive in Christ and in particular through His death on the cross for our sins. A love that is then shaped and expressed in obedience to God's Word. As we experience God's love and we respond to, to, to that love by loving one another in this way, we are assured that we are His children and together we are an authentic community of God's people. Brothers and sisters, the number one mark of a healthy church is love.